Hey everybody, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you are listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Hey everyone, this is Jim. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast. Last week I started talking about praying for friends and loved ones, praying effectively actually for friends and loved ones, because we all know what it's like to pray ineffectively. When you pray and you you ask God for help, and then it appears that nothing happens. Um, you don't get any relief. You don't see any results. There's no visible change in things. And so maybe you pray again and again and again, and you still don't see any type of result. And one of the things that you'll learn quickly, um, maybe you haven't really given this any thought, but I'm going to pass it along to you so you can think about it. If you're looking for reasons for failure on your end, you'll always find them. What I mean by that is, uh, the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. Grace is God's unearned favor. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. And so it's, it's the gift of God. And sometimes I think that we take the responsibility to make things happen, and it depends on how you were brought up and what type of church you were part of, and how your beliefs were formed. Because whether we like to admit it or not, a lot of what we believe is based on uh, the opinions of others. What I mean by that is, if your belief is going to be based on the Bible, if you don't read it yourself and really give it some serious heart thought for yourself, then you're more or less relying on the opinions, the insights, uh, the revelations, I guess, of other people. And while there's nothing wrong with relying on other people, think about how we do that when we grow naturally in life. When you come into this world, you're you're an infant, and you rely on other people to take care of every single one of your needs. You can't even walk. You can't feed yourself. You can't clean yourself. You can't really do anything except uh, communicate on the most basic level by crying and showing some kind of emotion. But, you know, we don't stay that way. Thank God for that, right? You know, eventually we learn how to walk, we learn how to talk, and we begin to take more responsibility. Well, when it comes to spiritual things, spiritual things really mirror um, natural things because they also have a beginning and they grow. The Bible talks about the Word of God being like a seed, and when it grows up, it becomes this great big tree where even the birds of the air can come and nest in it. It talks about Um, how things grow, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear in Mark chapter 5. And so when it comes to praying, sometimes we pray based on um, a lack of understanding, just like we communicate with a lack of understanding when we're smaller. And we don't understand certain things. Not that we're going to understand everything here in this world, because we see through the glass darkly, the Bible says, but then we'll see face to face then we'll know even as we're known, but we're still here. But there's one thing that we can know uh, completely without reservation and without doubting. And that is God is not our problem. God is not the enemy. He is the one that provides the solution. God is not lacking in power. Um, He's not lacking in any of those things that sometimes people blame him for not getting involved, for not... um, Uh, helping more than he could. And I think that when you look at God from a place of 
um, that we're, we're limited and he's unlimited. If you don't see results from your prayers, sometimes you can get to the place where you become annoyed or even mad at God. You know, you see that I'm struggling. You see that we're praying. We see that we're doing the best that we know how, but we're still not getting help. So why bother? You know, and I think we've all felt like that at one point. I mean, I felt like that before um, at times where I thought, why bother praying? Because it doesn't seem to be doing any good. And the more I pray, the more frustrated I get by the fact that I'm not seeing the results of my praying. But, you know, uh, the Bible puts it this way, that God said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't perish because God has a lack of power. They don't perish because God has a lack of love. They don't perish because God has a lack of desire to help. They perish because the Bible says they have a lack of knowledge. Well, that's why God's word was given to us, so that we could have knowledge. We could understand. If you look in the Old Testament, you see that whatever happened, uh, the people, there wasn't a lot of talk about the devil in the Old Testament. There wasn't a lot of talk about the adversary in that invisible realm. And I believe the reason was because they really didn't understand. They just thought that everything that happened, God either um, commissioned or or allowed or, you know, we hear that all the time. Well, God allowed it. Well, you know, the Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but we know that many will perish because the Bible says that. So God's will is not automatically done. So we can go like into a lot of depth on this. But I like to keep it simple because Jesus kept it simple. And I know there's a lot of theories about why um, certain things happen, but I think that we could sum it all up by this statement, um, don't blame God. In other words, it's not God's fault when things don't work out. So the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight, and faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Well, I, I think therein lies the problem is a lot of times we pray, but we don't have assurance. Well, where does that assurance come from? Assurance comes from knowing that we're praying according to God's will. The Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, we, he hears us. That's what John said. John was the disciple that it says Jesus loved. I know we love them all, but John had a special relationship with Jesus. Remember at the Last Supper when Jesus said one of one of you will deceive me. Um, you know, he, he didn't exactly get nervous. He leaned in and said, Lord, who is it? And then Jesus replied, the one with whom I dip in the, um, the bread and the oil and give it to him. So um, you have to understand that there are different levels of, of relationship that individuals have. And I, you know, I, I don't think you can read in the Bible and come to any other conclusion that it's up to us. It's up to us what type of relationship we want to have with the people around us. It's up to us what type of relationship we want to have with parents, children, grandparents, uh, grandchildren, however old you are. You understand that both sides have to be giving. Both sides have to want to do it. And you know that when we apply that to God, you know that God wants to have that relationship. Matter of fact, Jesus was the first person that ever revealed God as a father. And, and that's hard for some people to grasp because people are always blaming God. They're not blaming their own doubt, which the Bible says is evil. 
doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief take us away from God or push God away, just like faith, hope, and love draw him. Think about that. All right, let's go on a little a little bit further. From, let's look at um, Abraham, because Abraham was considered the father of those who believe, the father of the faith. Not the father of the law, but the father of the faith. So Romans chapter 4, verse 20, this is the American King James Version. It says that Abraham, talking about Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. You know what the word staggered there means? Staggered means the hesitancy, uh, concern, worry, doubt. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, if you remember Abraham's story, you remember that it was 20 years from the time he was given the promise to the time he saw it fulfilled. And you know that he tried to make it work on his own. That's why he went with Sarah's handmaiden, uh, Hagar, and, gave, and Ishmael was born. It would cause the, <clears throat> a rift that remains to this day in the Middle East. There was the son of promise, the Bible calls him the son of the flesh. But God didn't let the um, son of the flesh be cursed. He protected him. And because uh, it was Abraham's choice, Abraham's free will that created that. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times... The problems that we have today are because we made just bad choices. But thank God that God always provides a way out. And so, you know, if you read the story of Abraham, that he grew strong in faith, God gave him things to look at. And because if you only had the circumstance to look at, you're not going to be filled with faith. You're not going to be filled with hope. You're not going to be filled with a vision of a better tomorrow. You're going to be filled with whatever it is that you're looking at. Doubt, fear, worry, concern, all of these things where suddenly everything seems to be impossible, where the giants seem even bigger that you're facing. So God gave Abraham the stars in the sky. He said, look up and when your, your children will be as innumerable, as innumerable as the stars. And in the day, he gave them the sand to look at. And he said, your, your children will be as innumerable as the sand as these grains of sand. So, that's a paraphrase, by the way. Um, so he gave him something to look at, something to fill him up. And also, he changed the way he talked. He changed his name. His name was changed from Abram to Abraham. And uh, Sarah, Sarah's name was changed to Sarah. Sarai to Sarah. He became the father of many nations. So he's, God told him how to think differently and how to talk differently and to align those things with God's word. And he did that. He began to talk faith. He began to think faith. And yeah, he made some promises. I mean, some uh, blunders along the way concerning these promises. He tried to make it work for himself. I think I mentioned it last week. Maybe I didn't, but um, I, I've been in that position myself. I'm sure you have. If you've never received healing before, let me tell you something, that when something miraculous happens to you, you will never forget it. It will be with you forever. And I remember the very first time that I prayed the prayer of faith back in 1986 for healing, and it took about 90 days for it to come to pass, and then it happened overnight. Some um, overnight answer where suddenly, boom, the answer appears. 
And so not to go into that in depth, but I also know what it's like to go through these long periods of time. I had a cyst on my wrist for three years, and I finally got to the point where I couldn't talk to God about it anymore. I want you to imagine this. Imagine that God is visible, the throne is visible, and the path is uh, easy access. Okay, and, and, and let's say the go a golden stairway appears whenever you need it, and you go up from your living room or wherever in your home and you go into that dimension you're standing before the throne of God and you make a request and God grants uh, your request right now if you don't see the answer happen in a week would you go back up there would you feel comfortable going back up and making that exact same identical request again right let's say that you did and God told you I, I told you last week I've answered you Right. I mean, what, how would God respond to that? I think he would do according to what's written in the Bible. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. So imagine if you came back two, three, four times making the same request and God repeated, I've already answered, I've already answered. Then, then we would get to a place where we wouldn't be happy with ourselves and neither would God because the Bible says that God, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. Right? Well, that would be hard to believe if you saw him. Right? But, but he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if I was going into the presence of God, second, third, fourth, fifth time, relative to that request, I would learn probably pretty fast that you, you don't keep on asking for the same thing over and over again. Now, I have to qualify that statement because the Bible says that we should pray continuously. But it's the content of that prayer that's the, that's the secret. Our continuous prayers aren't supposed to be continuous requests of unbelief. Because the Bible says that what things soever you desire, Mark eleven twenty four, when you pray, believe you receive it and you'll have it. If you believe you receive something on Monday and you ask for it on Tuesday again, that's a sign that you don't believe you got it on Monday. Now, we're talking about specific things, what things soever you desire. Right, so now there's certain things that we need daily. Right? We need bread for today. We need water for today. Right? And Jesus said that if you have all of these things, to, to be content if you have it today. In other words, you're not supposed to be forecasting, my gosh, what, if what I had today is, won't be enough a week from now or a month from now. Right? Jesus said to take one day at a time. That's a paraphrase. He said, there, sufficient is the evil in this day, but having adequate food and clothing to, to be content today. Be content with such things as you have, for it is written, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? So imagine somebody's coming, a wealthy person is coming to your house, and uh, they ask you, um, you know, what, what do you need? Well, you might think of all kinds of things, especially if you didn't think they were going to be around again. Right? Imagine that. Whatever you need, just ask me right now and I'll get it for you. Right? I mean, you might have a long list of things, especially if you weren't going to be in contact with that person again. But the Bible says, be content with such things that you have. Be at rest. Don't be worrying. Don't fret. Don't say to yourselves, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? How are we going to be clothed? God knows you have need of all these things. And it says that people 
the, the underlying uh, fear is that God will leave us and God will forsake us. So it says, be, Jesus said, be content with what you have because he has said, I shall never leave you nor forsake you. So you don't have to worry that God won't be around on Sunday or next Tuesday or Thursday. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. So I imagine when we look at Romans 4.20, when it says, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. The giving glory to God is what made him strong in faith. I mean, think about it. If you, if you, um, Abraham's straight, uh, faith at the end was stronger than it was at the beginning. And the more you focus on God, the more you magnify God, the more you give glory to God, the bigger God seems and the smaller the problem seems. The less time you spend giving glory to God, and I don't mean this legalistically, like, okay, you only spent 20 minutes or five minutes or two minutes. I'm talking about according to what you need in your heart. The more time you focus on evil, the bigger evil seems. The more time you focus thinking about the problem, the more overwhelming the problem seems. Right, And then you go to God for two minutes and you know, not much happens. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. I wonder why it would say that. Continue in prayer. In other words, don't just forget about it. Prayer is our communication with God. So basically what it's saying, keep the communication line with God open and watch in the same. While you're praying, watch. What does that mean, watch? Aren't we supposed to walk by faith and not by sight? And doesn't watch imply that we're supposed to be looking? Well, what it means is watch in the same with thanksgiving. You know, God knows the difference between something manifested and something not manifested. He says he watches over his word to perform it. Well, that's what we're doing. We're watching over the word, watching God perform it. Even though we don't see it, we know it's there. We know the answer is there. But the only way we can continue in faith is to add thanksgiving to it. In other words, we continue in prayer with thanksgiving. I'll read that again. Colossians 4, verse number 2. If you ask for something and you believe God heard you, the only way to continue in prayer relative to that problem is to do so with thanksgiving, right? Now, I know, and I know you know, I know what it's like to ask for something and not get it and then think to myself, you know, I must have asked in doubt. And so I ask again. And when it still doesn't happen, I think, well, maybe I should continue in prayer with supplications, with asking. Right, but here it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Right, your heart is it, it, kind of like the, I don't know how to put it. I hate to put pressure on you to perform because we all know it's by the grace of God anyway. But yet we do make choices, right? We, we do have works. We do put action behind our faith. And at the very least, if somebody was in a wheelchair and you can't move, if you were paralyzed from the neck down and you said, well, I, I can't get up, but you can still continue in prayer with thanksgiving. Right? So when you make a petition, it's not like the petition gets lost. Think about that. If you file a legal paper, right? A supplication is a uh, prayers and supplication. These are like formal requests. If you make a formal request on paper, <coughs> here in our legal system, it's not like that paper gets lost or somebody tears it up on the other side. I mean, there's a system. It gets filed. 
uh, when you make a prayer or supplication to God, it's not like it's, if it's according to something good, let's put it that way. If it's something that Jesus would have done if he was there, right? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, what did Jesus do? He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. When the people didn't have enough to eat, what did he do? He multiplied the bread and the fish and the loaves. When people were sick, he healed them. When people were demonically oppressed, he delivered them. When the storms of life came, he stopped the storms. He did all of those things. When they needed forgiveness, that's what they got. They became transformed people. And so here, this verse says, what does it say? Continue in prayer. Watch in the same with thanksgiving. In other words, continue being thankful in your in your prayer time. Continue giving thanks in your prayer time. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory or giving thanksgiving to God. Right? So the prayers became more about giving thanks than they became uh, about anything else when belief was present. When faith is present, you don't have to keep asking and asking for the same thing over and over again. Jesus put it this way. Don't be like the heathen when they pray, because they think for their much speaking they shall be heard. I remember reading about Elijah facing the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament and how they were crying out to their God. Remember that example when they were going to, whosoever God burns up the sacrifice at the altar, that would be the God who they would serve. That would be the God who won the, won the battle, so to speak. Um, and they were crying out, Elijah, uh, tormented them, saying things like, well, maybe he's asleep or maybe he's gone on a journey. And it's that they were crying out and they were cutting themselves. Well, a lot of people pray, uh, pray like that internally. They think they have to work up something to get God to hear them. They think that they have to work up sincerity. I remember I used to go to this prayer meeting. This was years ago. And I was in my early 20s, mid-20s at the time. Um... I was in my early 20s at the time. That was a while ago. Anyway, um, and these people would pray, and a lot of them were older. I was the only young person there. Everybody was probably in their 50s or 60s, 70s. And uh, we'd pray for different people. I remember how they would, what the old timers called travail in prayer. And I mean, they were just, heart and soul seemed to be into it. And I remember I just couldn't do that. I mean, I tried to work it up. You know, I tried to work up feeling and emotion, but it just wasn't there. What I come to realize is that it's it's not the form, right? Because Jesus said, don't be like the heathen when they pray. They think for their much speaking. It's, it's not the begging that's causing the hand of God to move. What's happening is on the inside of each of us, we all deal with the temptations and the tests and the thoughts that the enemy brings our way. And those emotions work out as we fight through our own doubts and our own fears. That's what causes that um, deep-hearted cry out to God. Jesus did that before he went to the cross in the garden. I mean, he just travailed in prayer. He didn't work it up. It was a natural reaction to what he was facing. And so God doesn't look at somebody and say, wow, you, you've impressed me. You've really, I mean, your eyes were so tight. Your, your face was red. I'm going to answer your prayer based on, no, that is simply a response 
to the emotions that we face and we wrestle with. Right? When we go from a place of wanting to believe to believing. Right? The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. What are we fighting? And we're not swinging at the air. Right? The Bible says we wrestle against principalities, powers, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. But where do we wrestle against them? You're not wrestling in your living room. You're not crawling up into the heavenly realms and physically wrestling with anything. Jesus, the Bible says, already defeated them and made a show of them openly. What we're wrestling with is our ability to believe the truth and not the lie. And sometimes, depending on what's happening in your life, what's happening in your emotions, it's a fight to believe the truth. Your own mind will fight you every step of the way sometimes. And other times it just goes with, it just submits. Right? So it's not a matter of working something up and not working up. It's a matter of where are you at that moment in time. And then whatever you see outwardly is just... And, and, and that's why you know, people try to move the hand of God. Well, it's not really the hand of God that needs to be moved. It's your own heart. God is willing. God is willing. What does it say in the book of James? It says, God gives to all liberally and withholds not. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and withholds not, but let him ask in faith. Right? Let him ask in faith. For he that doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let that, not that man think he'll receive anything from God because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Right now, I've been there, and I know you probably have too. I've been where it felt like double-mindedness had just like a serpent uh, just tied itself around me and was choking the life out of me. And everything in me was trying to believe, but there was a wall there that I couldn't even identify. I didn't even know what was causing it. Right? And that's when you cry out to God like a, like a child lost in the dark, right? separated from your parents. That's when you feel so small. And see, that's, that's when the grace of God kicks in. right? The grace of God, the Holy Spirit. And that's where, that's where the fight is. That's why the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Continue in prayer. Again, Colossians 4, 2, watching the same with thanksgiving. Now, when Paul was in prison, it says in Philippians 1, 19, the church began to pray and it says, For I know that this will turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. At the very least, when your heart is gripped with fear, when your heart is gripped with doubts, and, and there's part of you that's praying, the very part of you that wants to pray, that wants to believe, is receiving at that moment a supply of the Spirit. Now, it might just be a trickle, like a drip from a sink, but it's still going there. And, and what did Paul say? I know that this, your prayers, will turn to my salvation, his deliverance. He was imprisoned at the time. He was locked up in the palace, I believe, in, that, in the context of that. You know, he was locked up more than once, but anyway... I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. In other words, your prayers are helping me. It's helping increase that supply. The supply of the Spirit is what does it. It's not by flesh and blood. All right, let's, let's go on a little bit further here. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 
1, verse number 2, it says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So Paul and the people that were traveling with him remembered the believers that were in Thessalonia, known as the Thessalonians. And what did he say? We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So I guess if there was nothing specific wrong or challenging, what did they do? <clears throat> they gave God thanks for the Thessalonians. Well, what, what do you think they were giving thanks for exactly? Well, that they were with brothers and sisters of like precious faith, that they were with people that had God in them, that there were people there that loved them and were willing to help them, that they were together in this. We give thanks to God always, making mention of you in our prayers. Right, so here's an example of praying continuously, praying ongoing. What was the first verse that I read there? Continuing in prayer, watching in, in prayer with thanksgiving. Here, it's basically saying the same thing, kind of reversed. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers. In other words, we haven't forgotten about you. It doesn't take um, a crisis, in other words, for us to pray for you. Just the thought of you causes us to make mention of you when we're praying. So, uh, again, we were talking about praying for friends, family, loved ones, praying effectively for them, which means praying in faith, not praying in doubt, praying, praying in belief, not praying in fear. Right. So how do you do this? If, if you pray on Monday right? And you're going to continue watching and praying, then when you make mention of them on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, then your words are going to have to be filled with thanksgiving, using words that support belief instead of doubt, right? So if you've already filed your petition for a specific issue, maybe somebody has a disease or somebody's in bondage or something, once, once you've filed that petition with thanksgiving, once you've made that request, once you believe, then the idea here isn't to forget about it, right? Because you want to keep that supply of the Spirit always heading towards that person. For how long? Until you don't have to walk by faith anymore. In other words, when you see the answer, you don't have to believe it anymore. You know it. When you see the answer, you don't have to look into the future with a, with a hopeful vision. That vision becomes a reality. Right? And, and, and that battle has been won. Right? So Jesus won the war. He fought the devil. But now we fight the good fight of faith. And we don't just fight it for ourselves. We fight it for others too. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, I thank my God on every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. Why would he be making the request with joy? Think, uh, let's read this again. Philippians, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I thank my God in every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. Well, if God hears you, then you're thankful. Thankfulness, joy. Do you see how the same theme is appearing over and over and over again? making mention, remembering, thanksgiving, 
Right? God has heard and answered you. Acts chapter 12, verse number 5, it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church for him. Right? So what do you think that, if you were actually, a, if you were there at the time, what do you think they would have been praying? I mean, if you go to the, each individual, they were probably praying for his safety. <clears throat> they were probably, their faith was probably based at that point on things that they had seen Jesus do. Um, their faith was probably based on what they, the insights that they had into the Old Testament and God's promises there. But I want you to remember something that, and maybe you don't realize this, but right before this happened, James was arrested and crucified. Right? And it doesn't say anywhere that prayer was made without ceasing for him. <clears throat> so I think this was a response to that event. They didn't want Peter to meet the same end that James did. Now, you may think, well, why didn't God rescue James? Was it God's will that James die? Well, maybe not. Maybe not. And if you were James and you walked with Jesus and you saw maybe you didn't really care. And there's a good chance that Peter didn't care because when the angels came and woke him up, right, and let the chains fall out, I mean, that happened with Paul, too. They weren't exactly crying and begging God to get them out of jail. They were, you know, at the worst thing that could happen in their minds was that they were killed and they'd go to heaven. Right. And, and, and to a person of faith, that's not such a bad thing. I mean, especially when you I mean, if you went if you saw heaven, if you were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, if you were caught up in that heavenly world, you would probably think that let me just get done what God needs for me to get done here in this life and let me move on. Right. But if you haven't seen that, all you have is your earthly experience to go by. Right? All you have is is what you all you can see is loss. I mean, you, all you would see is, well, you know, um, I want to be here with the people I love. I want to be here with my family and friends. Right? But these people had a vision even on top of that. They realized that there was a heavenly world and that their family and friends were all going there. They were on a mission. They were on a mission to bring as many people to, to salvation as possible, as many people to Jesus as possible. And therefore, they were willing to make all kinds of sacrifices because the sacrifices they made in this lifetime were nothing. The suffering that they had in this lifetime were nothing when compared with what was waiting for them on the other side. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life with all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Right? Because every supplication should be followed by the giving of thanks. Every prayer should be followed by the giving of thanks. Every intercession should be followed by the giving of thanks. Why? Because God has heard and answered your prayer. Because you're walking by faith and not by sight. Because you're filled with belief instead of doubt. Because you're filled with victory instead of defeat. Because you're filled with love instead of fear. 
right? So for all kings and those are in authority, that's one of the reasons why uh, a lot, many countries, including the United States, have struggled for so long. Because in the church world, we're not doing that. We're doing, we're so caught up in our own problems, so caught up with just the basics of life that we're distracted. But here, it's saying what? First of all, that the supplications and prayers and giving of thanks be made for all men, and, and that includes kings, those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life with all godliness and honesty. Right. So when you make mention of somebody that you prayed for yesterday, today, what are you going to make mention with? With thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you heard my prayer for so-and-so. Thank you that the bonds that they were in are loosened. Thank you that they're free. Thank you that they're whole. Right? The more you say that, the more your own heart will believe and not doubt. The, all, the more your own heart will be filled with expectation. Right? So, so our heart is the, is, the, is the central point here. Instead of going in and asking for the same thing, wondering why you don't see anything, wondering why the prayer hasn't been answered, looking at yourself then and coming to all of these conclusions, which basically cancel out the fact that Jesus has been made to us our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, that we've been forgiven, that we've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All of those good things become shadowy and cast doubts on all of that. Why? Because we keep rehearsing problems. We keep rehearsing issues. We keep rehearsing struggles and they get bigger and bigger in our own thoughts, right? Get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes on the, on the bigness of God. Get your eyes off of your understanding and on to just the immenseness of these promises that have been given to us. Let me read a few more verses. I'm kind of running out of time here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 2 through 9 says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, you and me, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he has chosen us in him, one, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. We are accepted. In whom, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. What did Jesus purpose in himself? Well, just look through the Gospels. Look at everything that he did. He did the will of God, and the, when the will of God was done, good things always happened. Always happened. You know, sometimes when the disciples got off onto their own thing and started focusing on themselves, sometimes they didn't get the victory. Let me leave you this one final example. Mark chapter 9, verse starting verse number 17, it says... One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought to you my son, which has a dumb spirit. 
And wherever it takes him, he tears him and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. I mean, that says it all right there. Faithless is without faith, right? So obviously the disciples tried to get results, couldn't get results, and got frustrated and gave up. It says, and they brought him to him, and when he saw him straight away, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked the, the father, how long is it since this came to him? And he said, of a child. And often it cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Listen to Jesus' response. If you can believe, right? That was the answer Jesus gave to him when he asked if you can do anything. If you can believe. Well, what is Jesus asking him to believe in? He's not asking him to believe in himself. He's asking him to believe in God. All things are possible to him who believes. And straight away the father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help you my unbelief. So anybody listening to me now can identify with that. Where there's part of you believing, but you're fighting the part that's not. You're fighting the part that's fearful. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit saying, You dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter him no more. I'm just going to throw this out there, just in case you're really listening. Talk to God about the problem, and then talk to the problem in Jesus' name. That's basically the pattern that we see all through the New Testament. Talk to God about the problem, receive from God, but then if possible, talk directly to the problem. Right? So we talk about to God about the problem, we, we, we release it. But then there was that one element left, talk to the problem, tell it to go. You deaf and dumb spirit, I charge you to come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried and read him sore and came out and he was as one dead so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said to them, this kind can come not forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Well, you know, prayer and fasting doesn't change God. Prayer and fasting doesn't change the devil. Prayer and fasting changes you. It sets you free from unbelief. Think about that. Prayer and fasting sets you free from unbelief. You know, fasting is something we don't really talk about, and it's not like, um, you know, you're doing uh, penance. It's not that kind of, of attitude where, okay, if I fast three, God, three days, God has to reward me. It's not that kind of thing where you're paying for a blessing. You can't pay for anything, right? You can't afford anything in and of yourself. Jesus already paid for it. He gave it to you, right? He took, put on the white robe, took off the dirty robe, put on the signet ring on us, seated us together with him. All of that was done for us because we couldn't do any of it ourselves. But I want you to just think for a minute about how you wrestle with your own doubts and fears and what makes them stronger and what makes them weaker. What would make doubt weaker in your life today? 
What would make fear weaker in your life today? Then go do that. See, it's not a matter of impressing God. It's a matter of overcoming the darkness that's coming against you so you can get to the place where you believe. So that may mean meditating more on the Bible, meditating more on certain promises, thinking about them, rehearsing victory instead of defeat, all of those things that you know to do, but you got to be a doer. You, you can't just be a thinker. You can't just think about it. You actually have to do it. It's kind of like, um, I remember when I was a, um, a kid, I used to be able to eat a lot of sugar. I used to chew gum for like two or three minutes, and then when the flavor was gone, I would spit it out and put a new piece of gum in my mouth and do that until the whole pack of juicy fruit gum was gone. You know the yellow juicy fruit gum, that old gum? And I did that with bubble gum after that. But you know, <laughs> time changes your body, and you know I used to be able to eat all kinds of junk, but I, I developed an appetite for junk food, just like a lot of kids do when it's around, you know, ice cream and things like that. I didn't have an appetite for healthy food, and, and spiritually speaking, here in the United States and probably everywhere in the, in the world, in most parts of the world, you know, we get junk food all the time in, in our spirit. You know, we get it through the news, we get it through social media, we get it through all these places, and then when it comes time to believe, we feel shaky on the inside, you know? So it's not a matter of, of you becoming so disciplined um, that, you know, you're, I'm going to be a man of faith or a woman of faith and, and this and that, and I'm going to do all these great things, and you set out to do them. It's just a matter of you sincerely wanting to have good things inside of you instead of things that take you down, things that make you feel helpless, things that make you, you feel fearful, things that make you forget God. I mean, when you remember God, you have peace. When you remember God is with you, you, you feel confident, you feel more comfortable, don't you? Remember when you forget it, what happens? And then sometimes guilt comes on. You know, that's how the enemy attacks. There, there's nothing new under the sun. We can, you can go through the Bible and see example after example of these things, of people who made it and people who failed. You know, and, and maybe you have little willpower, and, and I understand that too. I mean, that's fine. Maybe you just have to uh, get down on, on your knees and just sincerely ask God for, for help to do what you have been unable to do in the past to believe past the doubts and the fears, you know, and, and then you get into the word, you know, you not, you not just asking and then going off and doing what you used to do. Do your best to seek God. Do your best to have your heart uh, open to God and to be true with yourself and to be true with him. You know, I, I learned and, and when I used to watch these other people pray, the reason why I couldn't pray like them was because I really didn't care about the problems like they did. I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, I really wasn't concerned about so-and-so. I was concerned about myself and what I was wrestling with. I wasn't really concerned about other people that much. It wasn't that I wanted bad things to happen or that, oh, that's too bad um, what happened to them. Now, let's get back to me. It was more or less that I was just consumed with what was happening just in, in my own world. And I had to learn that other people are important, too. Right, uh, and, and I had to learn, and it's just like any other type of growth, you know. And, and and when you're a baby, you only care about yourself. You don't care if, if there's twenty babies in the room all crying. All you, each baby only cares about himself. They don't care or herself. They don't care that you know there's other babies hungry. You want to be fed. They want to be fed first. You know. Do you think you ever think the baby would stop and say? 
Well, you go ahead and feed the others. I'll just wait here patiently. No, that's something you have to learn. You know, and it's it's the same thing spiritually. You know, a lot of us, we don't pray for the people who are in office. We just complain about them. And even if evil people are in office, I mean, what do you think God did with Nebuchadnezzar? Right? Oh, we got to keep these people out of office and, and, you know, we make the snap judgments. Well, what would happen if God came upon some of these people and changed them from the inside out? What if some of these doubters became believers? So I look at it that way, too. Anyway, I hope you got a lot out of it. My voice is starting to get dry. We were talking about effective praying for friends and loved ones. To sum it up, you need to continue in prayer. You need to continue with thanksgiving every time you make mention of them. Thank God by faith that they're free. Thank God by faith that they're healed. And just know that, like Paul said, I know that this will turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. This is Jim, and I will see you again in another podcast episode soon. God bless and all the best.